golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love it late. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G, along with my special caddy of the evening. She's back again. The one, the only, creator of Golf 8.5, LPGA Hall of Famer, President of Education, Golf K, McMahon in the house. Holly G, they're going to start calling me Caddy K now. I've been here so many times, but it's fun being here with you. Well, it has been a very special treat this past month because uh, you have recently uh, landed here in Orlando to set up your winter headquarters. Smart of you to finally get out of the Northeast. That's a you know tough place to hit balls in the wintertime. I've done it. That's what drove me to Florida. And uh, we're just very lucky to have you here because you are expanding Golf 8.5, not only here in Florida, but around the country. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it later on in the program. We're actually going to sit and, you know, do a little interview here and and talk about Golf 8.5. You've got a workshop coming up on Saturday at Orange Tree Golf Club. And um, we, we're going to give away a few few lessons. So stay tuned. We just got off uh, the fairways of I-4. We know it's kind of slow and sluggish. So sit back and, and just... Uh, relax and listen to some great golf talk and wow how fun how fun how fun tiger's back he looked happy his game looked great and he was keeping the driver in the fairway okay he was definitely keeping the driver in the fairway and the um the the, the press and everybody was just dominating with, with talk about tiger being back but he looked really great uh that would have been his nemesis before but he just looked so much better on and off the golf course, smiling. And uh, But once he started playing, they they did talk about he got into his Tiger, let's go play, and uh, that solid, solid Tiger look. But after he got off the golf course, um, he was smiling and enjoying the fans. So he's back. He's going he's gonna to watch his schedule, though, a little bit more now. And he's I think he's really um, heading towards looking at his schedule to work at the majors coming up. Absolutely. We know that's always Tiger's focus. And speaking of focusing on the majors, Ricky Fowler, 11 under 61 to win on Sunday. And I think it was very fitting because, of course, there had been a a little bit of, uh, you know, buzz that Ricky and Tiger had been playing some some practice rounds, you know, down in uh, the Jupiter area and. Um, in fact, you know, Ricky later saying it, it was starting to make me a little nervous how good Tiger was playing. I figured I had to, you know, I had to get my game up another another level. And wow, I mean, uh, I, I know 
Charlie Hoffman leading by five. All of a sudden, I turn on the coverage Sunday. I'm like, what happened? <laughs> Ricky Fowler, seven birdies in a row, eight out of nine. Oh, my goodness. It was uh, it was fun, fun, fun. Well, it was amazing because I think you said he was a little nervous. He said he got scared when he was playing with Tiger because Tiger was playing so well. So he figured he had to notch up his game a little bit. So it wasn't just nervous. He was scared. But he should pay, play more practice rounds with Tiger all the time. But Tiger played nine nine days in a row to get primed for the uh, for the tournament. So he's he's up and running in pretty good shape, pain free as he said. Well, we're gonna uh, go straight to one of our favorite golf insiders who was there all week in the Bahamas, Bob Herrick from ESPN.com, to give us his insights and to uh, give us some thoughts on Tiger up front and personal. Great venue down there in Albany, Bob. To uh, for Tiger's return, host of his tournament, and um, what what did you see of the new Tiger? Well, what was uh, I thought somewhat amazing was we saw a lot of the old Tiger. Uh, that was that is the you know the Tiger that can launch it out there um, with with just about anybody, uh, and I, I think a lot of us felt that those days were long past and. And, and didn't really think that was necessarily a bad thing. You know, golfers evolve as they get older, and they have to sometimes learn to learn to uh, you know to play differently. But uh, um, that was to me the, the the biggest surprise that you know Tiger was hitting his driver out there with some of the longest hitters in the game. Um, he was launching his two iron uh, up into the stratosphere. Um, you know, crazy uh, long. Most 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 players at, at this stage are are looking for hybrids, right? You know, to to to, to hit the ball that way, um, and it's it's no you know it's no knock. I mean, there's lots of elite players today that have replaced two irons and three irons with hybrids. Uh, you know, Tiger was hitting a two iron, you know, into orbit, uh, 260, 70 yards. Um, and you know that's a weapon. That's incredible. You know that that he, you know, potentially has all of that. Uh, you know, back in his arsenal. Not only that, but as we know, one of the things that um, you know Tiger had been uh, fighting was his driver much of the last two years. And wow, you know, he was driving it great, uh, long, powerful, and he also around on the greens. As he put it, quote, hit a boatload of good putts. So, you know, I think we saw, you know, so many good signs of, of like you said, the, the tiger of old. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you know, some of these things are going to evolve, and, and uh, I don't think anybody should expect him to be highly competitive at this point, uh, putting, chipping, um, you know, I thought I thought those were good signs. I mean, he also showed some rust in some of these areas, uh, which is natural. Um, but to come back after, you know, really he's been hitting full shots for six weeks, maybe two months tops, and to be hitting it that well already, um, you know, that's just a great, great sign for him and to be able to build on. And now – you know, he's got the rest of this month and into early January to kind of keep refining it and, and keep working on it. Um, 
You know, at some point, though, he's going to have to play a golf course with narrow fairways and the high roughs. And, and you know, uh, uh, as we've said, Albany is a great venue for the return because it was is not a difficult golf course. I mean, it, it only is really um, tough like it was Saturday. A lot of players were over par because it was so windy. But, but uh, other than that, it's not, uh, you know, it, it's, it's not going to present the challenges that he will see at a place like Torrey Pines or Riviera or, or, you know, PGA National where, you know, the fairways are pinched in a little bit more and the rough, you know, in Albany, there was no rough. It was basically waste areas. And that's, I think, a, a lot easier to hit out of than three or four inch rough. But, you know, he's going to have time to work his way back through that stuff too. I still think expectations need to be tempered to some degree um, it's one tournament, and he's 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 going to need a, a, a good number, I think, to to, to start to get uh, you know confident and, and competitive. Yeah, this is Kay. Um, we've talked a little bit about him being on the golf course. Uh, I was wondering what the ap- atmosphere was like in the clubhouse with some of the uh, young guns being uh, being able to play with him, or how was it in the the clubhouse? Was there any talk from the young guns? Well, that's, I think, the kind of neat thing about this is that you've got a group of guys now who, you know, Justin Thomas, Jordan Speed, Patrick Reed, uh, Ricky Fowler, uh, Rory, who was not playing this tournament but who has said this, um, you know, these, these guys grew up idolizing Tiger. They were, you know, Justin Thomas told the story about being at the 2000 PGA Championship at Valhalla. He's from Louisville. He was seven years old, hmm. you know, when Tiger beat Bob May in the playoffs. And he was in the clubhouse, and he was watching it on a TV monitor inside and heard the heard the cheers when Tiger made the putt to force the playoff. I mean, now these guys are going to play with him, and they are loving it. They love that he is, is coming back. They want him back. They have not had, you know, their head, head knocked in by Tiger like, Tiger's contemporaries have, who, you know, and Tiger's contemporaries for the most part grew weary of the, I think, of the Tiger story while they appreciated him and all he did, what he brought to the game. Uh, you know, they, they played the bulk of their careers, you know, getting beat by him. These guys haven't experienced that, so it's different. I think they welcome him back. Um, and Tiger himself has credited them for sort of trying to motivate him, uh, which I think is really cool. You know, as you guys were talking about, he played he played practice rounds at home with Ricky Fowler and 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 Dustin Johnson and, and Justin Thomas, and Rory a little bit, and I mean it's it's been nothing but good for all of them. Uh, and uh, you know, you hope that continues. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with camaraderie, and then and then obviously doing your best to beat the beat the guy when you when you get back out there and it counts. And I think uh, Bob, you wrote that he is he. 15 to 1 now in the odds already for the green jacket. Yeah, they actually had gone to 15 to 1 after he shot 31 on Friday in the, in the second round. Wow. And I understand now that they they've settled in at 20. I, you know, I happen to think that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, we we all know why how this works. It's it's, it's based on on what the demand is and and not on you know, on what on what we truly feel can happen. I mean, Tigers should be much higher odds than that. 
Um, you know, the idea of him coming back, winning any tournament in the next six months, to me, is, is off the charts astronomical. Um, he just needs more time. Now, of course, Augusta is a place that he knows very well. The last time he played there, he was tied for 17th. It doesn't have rough to speak of. Um, and so I can see why people would be getting excited about him doing well there. But, you know, I just think common sense says uh, <laughs> there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of ground to cover for him. And, and that's okay. I mean, I don't think there should be a rush. I think, you know, if you watch him, look at what a great shape he's in. You know, I, I know that there's all the talk about, you know, his body's broken down. He's hit so many golf balls over the years. But if he's healthy – if his back allows him to play, he's in good shape, good or better shape than any of these guys. And we saw that. And so why couldn't his, his career be prolonged? I don't think he should feeling, I don't think there should be any feeling of rush because he's about to turn 42. You know, the last thing you want to do is rush. Uh, you know, I think he needs to take it slowly and, and, and build confidence. You know, the next step is going to be making a cut in a, in a tournament with 140 guys. Uh, you know, this was an 18-player field, not not a full field. And, uh, you know, he's going to have to feel the pressure of getting it done for the first two rounds. Uh, and then, you know, getting the pressure of getting into contention. It's, as well as he played, even on Friday, he was still five shots back after the second round. You know, and he ended up fe- finishing 10 behind Ricky Fowler. So, you know, this was a, this was a different deal. He was, in, he was sort of competing against himself, and I think he passed that – quite well but there's a long way to go still absolutely and um but he he definitely showed up um and the game you know all aspects of the game look good and i think that should you know give him a a a lot of uh a lot of momentum coming into 2018 you think he's going to win next year bob before we let you go i'm curious what you think yeah it's a good question i mean i i um there's a part of me that thinks it might be that might be too much to ask. I think it depends on how much he's really able to play. And, you know, I think what we're learning now is that between tournaments, when we didn't see him in, in these last couple of years, he was spending that time just trying to, to get fit to be able to play. He wasn't practicing, certainly not practicing at the, at the level he needed to. If he's able to consistently practice, in other words, you know, maybe he shuts it down for a few days this week after a tournament, after all that he put into it. And then next week, he kind of needs to go back at the idea of, you know, hitting shots and doing the things he would do to prepare. And if he's able to do that, then I don't think it's out of the question that he wins next year. I think it would be more later in the year. Um, I think it's a lot to think that he could do that in the first quarter. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe by springtime, summertime, when the weather starts to warm up, if he's able to compete and practice at a regular level, why couldn't he get in the mix? And, and, uh, and you know, then I think it, it becomes intriguing to see how well he handles that. Uh, and, uh, you know, he didn't seem too bothered by the pressure this past weekend. You know, it, uh, it, uh, you know he, he got caught up in that windy weather on Saturday like a lot of guys. I don't think that was such a, a bad thing for him. A good reality check, and and uh, it'll be interesting to see now. I mean, I, I I sort of lean towards the idea it's possible. I would have never thought that I'd have said that, uh, you know, uh, going into the week. 
Well, I've already gone out on the limb, but I did say, um, well, I said it within the wraparound season and, and 2018. So I, I gave myself a little cushion going into to fall of next year. But uh, <laughs> I think we're all going to be on that Tiger watch now. And uh, it, we know it's good for golf. We know he moves the needle. And uh, it was just fun to see him just, you know, smiling and relaxed. Uh, that's, that's, that's good for Tiger and good for the game. All no right, doubt, yeah. Bob, thank you so much. Check out all of Bob's great articles and videos on ESPN.com. You're listening to Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. Oh, struggler's blues. We're back, the Golf Insiders, in the house, Holly G, along with my special guest caddy this evening, although it's been so great to have you here most of the month, Kay. It's Caddy K now. Caddy K. Caddy K. We got a new name going. Kay McMahon, creator of Golf 8.5, LPGA Teaching Hall of Fame, and uh, now here in Orlando for the winter. Really great to have you here. Well, somebody who didn't do a whole lot of struggling on Sunday was Ricky Fowler shooting 11 under 61. Uh, and boy, he knows how to uh, move that flat stick. It just, you know, it's it's smooth, it's buttery, and, you know, don't bet the NASA on anything inside 12 feet. Oh, 20 ev- feet. Everyone was talking about his putting stroke. Everyone. And it's very smooth, and it's... He's going to be the next one people really go to about a putting stroke rather than they all went to Dave Stockton in that era. Now it's going to be the Ricky Fowler putting stroke. So you've got that absolutely right. Of course, you had Ben Crenshaw and, uh, of course, right. Phil. So it's interesting to see. But it was it was fun to watch. And we're going to check in with Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel right now who was there covering the entire tournament. Get his thoughts not only on Ricky's win but uh, Tiger's big comeback. Hey, Todd. Hey, ladies. How are you? Doing good. well. Thank good, you. Good. How was your time in the Bahamas? And uh, how about Ricky? Looking looking good on Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it was great to see Ricky put together a great run like he did. I mean, it was, you know, we were on 54 watch early in his round on Sunday. Right. Um, and, you know, as I talked to him after his round on Golf Central and Golf Channel, you know, it's an opportunity for him to build some momentum heading into 2018. He wins in the spring at the Honda, and he comes at the end of the year and wins as well. So you know, it's obviously a confidence builder when you got eight of the top ten in the world and you beat that crew um, along with some others, including Tiger Woods. So, yeah, great showing by Ricky Fowler over the weekend. I'm curious, um, also, you know, I mean, Charlie Hoffman, a, a five-shot lead. It seems like Charlie, you know, played very well this year, but just hasn't been able to get it done on Sunday. You know, what do you, what do you see going on there? Well, unfortunately for Charlie, I think it's a mental block for him now because this is five times that he's had at least a share of the 54-hole lead on the PGA Tour, and he has yet to win any one of those. So there's something rattling around in his brain um, when he gets heat applied to him that he needs to conquer. Um, And obviously Ricky with those seven consecutive birdies in the first seven holes applied the heat and Charlie just didn't respond. Uh, I mean, he was saying the right things after his round. 
you know, I, I'm going to leave here positive. I played well with the exception of a guy who got really hot on Sunday. Um, and, yes, those are, those are really good things to say. But if he wants to be truly honest with himself and, okay, you've been in the world's greatest tours, you, you can answer this as well. It's like, you know what, I need to get over this block, and I don't know how to do it. Well, I shouldn't say I don't know how to do it, but I just need to do it um, and figure out a way to do it is what I should say. He needs to make a call to Dr. Bob Winters. Maybe or, so. Yeah. Or we should have uh, Dr. Bob uh, breaking it down for us. But, yeah, there's no doubt about it that, um, you know, there's, he's, he's just played some great golf and, and something's going on there. Um, and, of course, Tiger Woods, Todd, we were talking all about it in our first segment. In fact, we probably, as, as everybody was, talking about Tiger's return as much as Ricky's win. Um, he just looked, you know, he looked relaxed, happy, uh, seemed to, you know, be very, uh, you know, interactive with the media and just enjoying himself. Give, give us well, your, your thoughts. Well, more importantly, he was healthy. And Tiger just didn't show up at the Bahamas and play a nine-hole practice round on Monday, Tuesday, and then an 18-hole pro-am. Uh, Tiger spent a lot of time playing practice rounds. As a matter of fact, he played 130 holes just at Albany to get ready for the Hero World Challenge. And obviously he spent a lot of time uh, on the practice range getting his game shaped up as well. Um, And that's just at Albany. I mean, not counting what he did in South Florida, Jupiter, getting ready for uh, the tournament as well. Um, And he did so without pain. And more importantly, I was just so impressed with the speed he has through the ball. I mean, 179, 180 mile per hour ball speed. I mean, that's, that's up there top 10% on the PGA tour as far as ball speed goes. Um, and he was not swinging, thinking about technique. I rarely, I did see him once, maybe twice, try to go through some rehearsals, but, but he was just playing golf and swinging hard. Um, he didn't tentatively just walk back into competition. He came in, with ferocity and ready to deliver a knockout punch, not go 15 rounds. So that's the thing I was most impressed about. I mean, sure, he top 10 and he beat the number one player in the world. He beat the reigning U.S. Open champion. And he beat the reigning PGA Tour player of the year. Um, but more importantly, I, I think he proved to himself, and I think that he proved to everyone else that he has speed in his early 40s that could compete with these young, great players in their 20s. You know, speaking of the speed, um, there was a couple when he hit some of those irons and he had that fast recoil where it almost like it hit him on the shoulder and he zapped it right back and they were talking about that. But his speed also showed up in his drives that he kept in the fairway and it was much more consistent. So the speed had had two different things, but some of those shots that he he hit those irons and that rapid recoil. And you're right. I mean, I remember on, I believe it was Sunday on the third hole, which is a par five, he had like a 200. 55 yard three iron with that massive speed that went about 30 stories high <laughs> and it and it was just a great shot uh, but you mentioned not only did he have the speed with the driver okay but he also had accuracy and that has been a problem for tiger at times with the driver and sure he right. did have two two or three wayward drives i'm not saying he was perfect but overall, I mean, if you wanted to grade him off the tee with the driver as far as distance and accuracy, you give him an A-. And I think that's phenomenal. I think Tiger drove the ball. And it's just we have a tiny sample size with him playing in the Hero World Challenge. But last week, 
he drove the ball better than he did, in my opinion, than the last time he went five times, which is 2013. Uh, so I think he's got so much of a foundation of confidence to build on as he turns into 2018. Now, here's the big issue. If you want to question what's going to be wrong with Tiger is longevity with this body, with this speed, uh, speed uh, in this body. Because I, I remember he said the same things at the Bahamas last year. I can, you know, I can do stuff off the course with my kids. I've got freedom. I'm pain-free. And then three or four months later, he was having more procedures on his back. So um, that's, that's the question. And you know what? I believe Tiger may be questioning that. So we'll see how much trust he develops in his back and the rest of his body as he moves, moves forward. I, I know a, a, a couple, another thing that was quite surprising, Todd, um, you know, he, he seemed to be, you know, truly grateful given all that he's been through and, you know, potentially looking at uh, his career moving forward, being jeopardized with, you know, the, this, this horrible back situation. But I think I heard the word humbling a few times from Tiger Woods this past week. And, um, you know, seems, seems like Tiger is, uh, you know, developed a little softer side. Well, do you know what I think that is a product of? I think when Tiger was at the height of his powers, Tiger was cold, robotic, wanted to step on your throat and crush you. And I'm not saying he doesn't, he's not that highly competitive anymore uh, because he is. But so is Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson. But at the same time, they have a different aura about them and that they root for each other. There, there isn't an isolation aspect to them. And as a matter of fact, Tiger Woods, after his first round, thanked Justin Thomas and Ricky Fowler and Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson, those guys who were in South Florida helping him get ready at the Hero World Challenge. Because I think some of that warmth, if that's the word that I'm going to use because I know these guys, I think some of that has rubbed off on Tiger. And, yeah, you can call it humility, but I just don't think that Tiger has that you know, I, I can't be friendly with these guys because I gotta because I gotta beat them every time, and I, I think there's been a shift of personality. Absolutely, Tiger Woods has influenced Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler. But I think what we have seen from Tiger Woods, and he probably would admit this, is that they have now influenced him not only as a golfer, but as a with their personality too, and and how to be a you know lift the curtain a bit, be a little more revealing, be a little more honest, be a little more happy. Um, so I, I think that's I think that's been a really big positive that no one's really talking about right now. Uh, great insights, Todd, and um, I I think that as I said, um, that's that's good for the game all the way around. Last question and before good for Tiger too, to be honest. Ab- absolutely, absolutely. Uh, before we let you go. You think Tiger's going to win next year? What's uh, What are the odds? There's, there's no way I'm predicting that. <laughs> Holly's that already predicted that. So we're, uh, Holly, if she, I, if she I loses, think, go ahead. I'm sorry, Kay, you, you guys go ahead. No, I was going to say, Holly predicted that, so if she loses, she has to take us all out to dinner. <laughs> I think he'll compete. Um, I think he will compete. I think it will take him, look, it's, 
Sure, there was a great field, as I mentioned, eight of the top ten in the world at the Hero World Challenge, but that was kind of a a hit-and-giggle, money-grab kind of tournament. When you tee it up on a PGA Tour for real, and you're playing not against 17 other competitors, but 155, and you're playing golf courses that don't give up 61 like Torrey Pines South, um, you know, or at major championships, that's a different ballgame. I do think it's going to take him – this is just my – opinion i think it'll take him three or four months to continue to establish that confidence but i do think in the summer as long as his body holds up i I think he'll be there on the back nine come sunday somewhere i don't know where could be a major could be get a regular pga tour event who knows but i think he will have flashes of an opportunity to win I'll say that. And I think we know what he might be wishing for this Christmas. <laughs> but for the rest of us golf fans, we're going to all be on the Tiger Watch uh, every week, Todd. And that's going to be uh, good for golf, good for TV ratings, and uh, good stuff for the Golf Channel. As always, we thank you for spending a few minutes with the Golf Insiders. Have a happy holiday, my friend. Thank you, Holly and Kay. You too. Thank All right, you. this is the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. Yeah. just make We're back. The Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house, Holly G. And my guest, Patty, president of Education Golf, LPGA Hall of Famer, and creator of Golf 8.5. Stay tuned for our last segment because Kay is going to talk about Golf 8.5 and how you can make golf simple. And fun and easy. She's got the secret sauce. We've got the secret sauce, and we're going to share it tonight. So stay tuned. And we're going to give away a few lessons, too. So uh, we won't waste any more time. We'll go to Kevin Casey, assistant editor of Golf Week right here in Orlando. We're so lucky. They have so many great golf outlets here in Central Florida. To uh, give us a little wrap on the end of the year here and uh, what what we should be looking for next year. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Holly. How are you doing this evening? Doing well. Um, we do have the Shark Shootout next week here in Florida in Naples. Uh, well, I don't know. It's called something else now, right? DQ or Q- QBE. QE? Yeah, QBE, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's gone through some name changes for sure. There's Franklin Pebbles in the past as well. Uh, well, it keeps on changing, but... Uh, uh, we know that's just kind of a fun invitational, much like the the hero event. Um, uh, any any thoughts on who's playing in the tournament and uh, who we should be watching? I mean, it's always interesting uh, now because uh, with Lexi playing, Lexi Thompson's playing in it again. Last year, she was paired with Bryson Shambo, if I remember correctly. This year, it's Tony Finau. So it's always interesting to see her play with the guys, especially because Lexi's one of the longest uh, hitters on the LPGA. So she's kind of the main person to watch for because it's always fun to see and it was actually interesting last year she got a close-up look on 
Bryson's kind of side saddle-ish uh, putting style that he, he experimented with for a couple months. That was the first tournament he did it at. So kind of kind of random. But, uh, yeah, no, Alexi would be the person to really look at this week because she's, you know, playing with the men, and it's always fun to see that. Absolutely. That'll uh, wrap things up for, for the year. Some interesting notes. Brant Snedeker is flying to 20,000 miles to close out his 2017 season, uh, going over to... Indonesia? Yeah, he's, he's playing an event there because he's trying to, uh, I believe, get into the top 50 in the world rankings because if he does that by the end of 2017, that's a way to earn a Masters invite. And um, that field helped by the fact that I think Justin Rose is playing in that event as well. So uh, that will mean the field's, uh, he can get more world ranking points because the field's better with having Justin Rose, who I believe is the world number six. So, yeah, Stecker's playing there to try and, you know, get some get some world-ranking points trying into that top 50 and earn a Masters invite because, you know, he's fallen in the rankings a bit because he was out, uh, I think, five months with an injury. So, yeah, so you got you to gotta do what you got to do to get to Augusta. It, it shows you how important that is and um, uh, how, you know, how serious these guys are about it. Uh, speaking of a little bit of a bounce back, Hideki Matsuyama, uh, who was the defending champion at the Hero, had a pretty good showing this past week in the Bahamas. And uh, Jordan, a, a little bit of a, a spurt there on Sunday with a 69. They all kind of uh, backtracked a little bit on Saturday due to the win. But, uh, you know, it was a pretty good showing all the way around. And, of course, we've been talking all night about Tiger. What, what were your thoughts on Tiger's return? I mean, it was definitely quite promising. I, I remember when we talked before he start, uh, you know, played at Hero this week, uh, this past week. I was kind of, you know, I wasn't sure. I didn't want to give any expectation because I just had no idea. But uh, I don't want to get, you know, too hyped up here. But he had a very good week. I mean, the big thing was he looked pain-free. I mean, everyone, you know, Tiger says he's pain-free. He kind of, he's not always been fourth right with his injury info. But just looking at him playing, I think anyone watching could see. He was swinging, you know, basically full on and showing no signs of pain. I mean, his ball speed is 180 miles an hour, which is about what Roy Amazing. average was last year. So, yeah, he looked, he looked really good. Looks fit. Um, and, you know, as we said, just, just looks happy. Uh, I know Golf Week probably doing some of their year-in-review stories online uh, for the next uh, couple weeks. What, what are your, you know... What, what are you checking out for next year? What do you think was the big moment this year? I mean, obviously, one of the big moments, uh, yeah, we, we actually had a year-in-review issue for our November issue. And, uh, you know, one thing, obviously, on there was Sergio Garcia winning the Masters and kind of having this turnaround in kind of public image because um, I think at times he could be seen as petulant and, you know, it seemed like he turned a corner with that Masters win. Everyone kind of saw the good guy in him there. But also just getting the monkey off his back as well because that was – one of the biggest monkeys uh, to get off someone's back, winning winning their first major, Sergio, because we all thought he'd win a while ago. So it was good to see that. Um, and you know, someone, well, the thing I wrote about with the junior golf was the Erica Shepherd thing, the Erica Shepherd controversy at the U.S. Girls Junior and how she's handled that and everything. So I mean, it was obviously a very you know weird social media controversy, but it seems like she's handled it very well since and kind of moved past it a bit. And good news is too that. With the win of the U.S. Girls Senior, she eventually won a U- got a U.S. Women's Open spot, so she'll be in the U.S. Women's Opens next year. So that's nice as well. I mean, this next year, I think I mentioned, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what Rory can do, see if he can bounce back, 
Um, even before Ricky finished with a 61 the year, I was very interested interested to see what he would do because, um, you know, Golf Week has the Golf Week Sagarin rankings, and Ricky was not president number one in those rankings for months, and he's played so well this year that the wins haven't really been there. So if he keeps playing like he did this past year. I mean, I think someone mentioned he could have a Justin Thomas-like next season. I could totally see him winning three, four, five times. Um, you know, obviously a major can be in there as well, so... I'm looking to see if Ricky can really break out this next year like the results this year show he could. You think that, you know, there's some extra pressure now to, you know, notch that first major? Uh, or do you think, you know, Ricky's just going to go about business? You know, I mean, there's definitely that pressure, especially after you shoot 61. I don't, you know, obviously it's not a counting PJ Tour event, but it was against a world-class field. So, I mean, obviously that kind of heightens the uh, attention and pressure. But Ricky's been feeling that and been hearing when are you going to win a major for, what, about five years now? Um, ever since, basically, he won at uh, Quail Hollow for his first tour title, which I think was 2012. Um, so, yeah, ever since then, he's been here, and where are you going to win a major? And, ever, you know, the pressure's absolutely been ratcheted up since he finished top five in all four majors in 2014. So it's just more of the same, I think, for him. I don't think it's going to affect him too much. So I, it's there, but the pressure's always been there in him. So I don't think that's a big, huge factor. Well, we we'll want to see that maybe that orange in a green jacket uh, come March. I, I think we've all probably got uh, a little bit of Masters fever now after watching Tiger a little bit. Could be pretty interesting to see if he's in the mix at 42 on Sunday come uh, March of 2018. But uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to see as we turn the page and and go to uh, Hawaii and then California and see how uh, the wraparound season launches for January. But as always, Kevin, we so appreciate the time and great reporting you do in Golf Week, uh, Babino, and your whole team, and we always appreciate the time you spend with us. Have a great holiday, my friend. Hi, you too, Holly. All right, you listen to the Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing. And then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good eyesight, I'll be all right. I get my dentures shining bright. I got a deaf We're back. Right the Golf Insiders wrapping up an hour of intelligent golf talk in the house, Holly G. And LPJ Hall of Famer. Kay McMahon and Kay, we've been very fortunate to have you on the radio here, sitting in the caddy seat for the last uh, few weeks, and you have uh, brought your very simple yet um, ama- amazing, it, it truly is amazing to watch, and, and not only myself having experienced one of your workshops, but to watch you work with players of all levels with your Golf 8.5 program that really simplifies the golf swing, gets your head decluttered, takes all those sticky notes out of your brain, the 1,001 tips we've all been given, inside, outside, turn your hips. Oh, let's not even, let's not even go there. But you have this incredible program. You break the golf swing down to four things before the swing, and four and a half in the swing. Talk to our listeners about Golf 8.5 and how it can make a difference for them. 
Well, you summed it up pretty well on the fact that people have to get that there's four things you do before the swing and only four and a half things you do in the swing. So some people say, well, what's 8.5? Well, if you add those up, that's what 8.5 is all about. So for those of you that can add, there you go. Um, one of the questions we get often asked is, what's the point five? And I said, you have to wait for that for just a little bit. That's the secret sauce. That's the secret sauce. It's going to be known as the elevator once we get there. But we have 1,000 and from what we hear this from every average golfer. There's 1,001 things they're supposed to do in 1.2 seconds. And so they've got all this stuff going on in their head and they can't take it back or they top the ball and they have all these excuses of what they have, what happened, whatever. Um, slice it, hook it, top it, shank it, ouch. Yeah, ouch. So they're out there in the woods and they have no idea what to do when they get out there except throw another ball back into play. So we, we 8.5 comes up from a point of understanding first. We first want you to understand what you're trying to do rather than just trying to tell somebody to, like a patchwork quilt. We want you to kind of tear it apart and put you back together again, so we call it the Humpty Dumpty method. But we do take you apart, but we for sure put you back together again, and you can t- actually take it right to the golf course. So the fallacy of uh, I take a golf lesson or I do a clinic or an academy thing or whatever and I get worse won't ever happen. You might and you st- guarantee it. I guarantee it. You got that right. It's a money, money back guarantee. And uh, to this date, we haven't had to give any of the money back because everybody gets better um, and in a very fast way. So the the theory behind golf 8.5 is all that stuff that you've been taught, those 1,001 things, will happen, but you won't have to think about them. So they're not a bunch of little post-it tips that you pick one off and then you have to go play. So what really happens is the, the biggest key is how you get set up. And posture is typically taught first. Uh, bend over, sit on the bar stool. Your head's been on the, as far as I'm concerned, your head's been on the bars. You've been on the bar stool too long for at least 20 to 30 years. And now your head's on the bar is really <laughs> what's happened. Um, so you're quite confused. But all those little tips kind of work. But we have found a way that if you do what we call the four things before the swing, which we call G-cap, you first grip it. That's what the G stands for. Cap is like the, the cap on your head. So the C is for setting the club head. A is for alignment. And P will posture will happen automatically. You will never, ever have to think about it. But it's the order that you do something in. Typically, most players walk up to the ball, and I call it the penguin walk. <laughs> waddle, waddle, waddle. <laughs> you got that, the little waddle. And then they set the club down, and then they wa- they fidget some more. Fidget. Fidget. And then they get misaligned because it looks like they're in the wrong place, and then they're hitting it out to the right or to the left or whatever and come over the top and do all that stuff. So... If you first I'll explain the G-cap, first grip the club in the air, and this is how the pros do it on TV. So the number one thing is you have to look good at education golf, looking good. So all amateurs put the club on the ground and put their hands on the club there, but the guys on TV and the gals on TV, uh, we can't forget the, forget the LPGA, put the club up in the air. They put their hands on the club with that. Then they step into it with their rear foot, um, one foot at a time, So, and you set the club on the ground. So you're stepping in, setting the club on the ground, and you're aiming the club head. Then you align your feet. And if you do those, do those first three things, your posture happens automatically. And people say that can't be true. And I say we have done thousands of golfers that way, and we never, ever, ever have to teach posture. It's amazing, and you've seen it happen. I have. It's fantastic. Um, we're going to quickly give out our phone number right now because we want to give away, uh, we're going to give away three one-hour lessons to caller one, two, and three. 
So call in right now if you want a private one-hour lesson with Kay, the creator of Golf 8.5. Call now, 407-916-8255-407-916-8255-407-916-8255. We're going to take caller 1, 2, and 3, 407-916-8255. One hour free lesson with Kay McMahon, creator of Golf 8.5. So we've got the setup, Kay. Then what happens? Well, you think it's Christmas. You're giving away a lot of lessons here. <laughs> Merry Christmas. But, uh, anyway. Absolutely. We're uh, in that holiday mode. We are. All right. So uh, once you get set up, then there's only four and a half things to do in the swing. And we have found that um, people learn in chunks or in little parts. And so that goes to the Humpty Dumpty part. So there's first just the, simply the takeaway, which we call the letter Y. Your arms in the shaft look like the letter Y. And if you turn your upper body, keeping the club head in the center of your body, that's your takeaway. It's that simple with the toe of the club pointing up in the air. Uh, The second position is then you bend your back arm into a right angle, and it's the elbow that bends as opposed to people think it's their wrist. The wrist controls the club head, and that misdirects the ball all the time. So it's the elbow that's called the elbow is the lever that creates your power source. Then you keep your uh, lever coming down first. So everyone thinks that the hips turn first in the golf swing, but they don't. People get way out ahead of themselves is what it's called. And then the club head is way behind you. You come over the top and it slices the ball. So you first want to move the club down. We call that the elevator because your back arm looks like an L. Uh, comes down. Your uh, third position, so that's the 2.5. Your third position is your Y going forward and its extension. Impact is not a position, it's past impact. And then there's your um, arms end collapse up over your top shoulder, your other shoulder, and you have two L's. So it's Y, L, elevator, forward Y, double L. It's very simple. 4.5. So, and then you're done. You have a classic looking swing, you can hit the golf ball. I was just at an event last night, and we had a young man from um, Dallas, and he was not being able to hit the ball at all. And he all of a sudden got the idea of how to set up. And he goes, well, of course, you set the club down as it's designed. So you don't have to worry about alignment, how far to stand from the ball, or ball position. So you've just eliminated a whole bunch of things by what, the way we use GCAP. And all of a sudden, he's pounding the ball out there 150, 175 yards, where he had been completely missing or topping it beforehand. So it was all about the setup, and it, it helped in about took us maybe five minutes. Well, I'll say eight, 8.5 minutes. <laughs> 8.5 minutes. And and the thing about your workshop, you, you have uh, one-day, two-day workshops. Uh, you're going to be offering a number of them here in the coming months. Um, but you it's, it's you know, we've all been there. We've gone to a golf school. We've banged balls. You know, we come out of there feeling like, you know, we've just been uh, abused and beat up. And uh, it's a totally different feeling. People come out, and we've done a lot of, you know, we've seen a lot of people do their testimonials, and they say, it was fun, it was simple. You know, I, I hit the ball, great, the best contact ever. And they feel like they can take it to the course. They do. They, they actually don't feel as intimidated. They actually come out smiling. They get better. Um, and I just had somebody that just emailed the other day that took a one-day workshop, and she knocked four strokes off of her game already. Kind of a mid-handicapper, but she's so excited she wants to come back again and gets past the holidays. Absolutely. Well, um, again, if you want to find out more about Golf 8.5, go to Education Golf. 
educationgolf.com, educationgolf.com to find out more about Golf 8.5. And, Kay, you're going to be teaching out at uh, Orange Tree Golf Club, Metro West, which we're glad to see Metro back open, and Deer Island, which is a fabulous course out in Lake County. So plenty of places to catch up with Kay McMahon. We thank you for being here. Check it out, educationgolf.com. Golf Insiders, we'll be back next week. We love you. Tee it up. Bye-bye.